Praise the Lord. Apologize getting started a little behind time, <laughs> but we're getting started now. Um, we do have a few announcements. Uh, first announcement is June 18th is the men's stakeout, and I believe that's in Thorpe. Um, I'm sorry, Ryan, do you have those uh, slides, please? It's Wisconsin Rapids. Okay, there we go. Abundant Life Tabernacle in Wisconsin Rapids. And it starts at 11. Okay, that has been confirmed by Brother By. So next Saturday at 11, Wisconsin Rapids is the men's stakeout. All right. June 25th, we have church cleaning. Uh, I believe there will be a sign-up sheet. Otherwise, please just come. There's plenty of things to be done. Um, many hands make light work. June 25th. I'm sorry, that was June 25th. June 29th is a Wednesday. We will be having um, Brother and Sister Cedras. They are missionaries to the Middle East, so be sure to come and bless our missionaries and hear about their burden and the work that they're doing. Also, one quick uh, announcement. Whomever has the key to the towel holder, please return it to the cabinet so that we can fill up the uh, hand towels. Hallelujah. Thank you for all who are cleaning the church and taking the time to make this place presentable and welcome. Hallelujah. All right. Now let's just get into worship. We're going to have a little talk with Jesus. Eyes be filled with tears, but Jesus. 
Just a little talk with Jesus makes it right. Now let us have a little talk with Jesus. Tell him all about our troubles. He will hear our pain and cry. He will answer by and by. When you feel a little prayer will turn me. Know a little fire is burning. You find a little talk with He will hear our maiden's cry. He will answer by and by. When you feel a little prayer will turn me. You know a little fire is burning. You find a little talk with Jesus makes it right. Hallelujah. I am so thankful that I can go to God in prayer. Hallelujah. Whatever the situation, He is there. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that we can have a relationship with you, where we can talk with you face-to-face, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah.
I am so thankful, Lord, for the victory that you give us. Lord, for salvation. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for Calvary. Lord, where my sin was washed away. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, you are so worthy. So very worthy. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. It's all. 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. He's worthy of our worship, church. He's worthy of all of our praise. Thank you, Jesus, for hanging on a cross in my place. Thank you, Jesus, for suffering and dying in my place. You took the just punishment of my sins. Hallelujah. Not someone else, not someone's son. You did. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you wrapped yourself in flesh. You manifested yourself as a man so that you could die in my place. Hallelujah, Jesus. I do worship and praise You. I do thank You eternally for the sacrifice that saved my soul, that paid the full price of my sins. Hallelujah, Jesus. I couldn't save myself. There is no way I could do anything to affect that. But You saved me. Hallelujah, Jesus. You are my Savior. You are my Lord and my God. You are my Redeemer. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That you gave everything. You gave everything for me. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. You are worthy of my worship. Oh, Lord my God, you are worthy of my worship. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing presently in my life. Hallelujah, Jesus. You are an awesome God. And you are ever worthy to be worshipped and to be praised, to be magnified, to be worshipped, to be glorified. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. What an awesome God we serve. He is altogether faithful to us. He loves us perfectly. The manifestation of that love is perfect all the time. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Before we're seated, uh, I, w- I want to pray here. Just take a little bit of time to pray for a couple people. Uh, for Kelly Gossel. Is that pronounced? I'm sorry? Grossel. Thank you. Kelly Grossel. Uh, she was diagnosed with cervical cancer. Uh, let's please pray for her. Amen. Also, I want to pray for a friend of mine, uh, Brother Nate Van Engen. He is, uh, he has been diagnosed with cancer. He's progressed with it. He's in the hospital presently. Uh, uh, let's pray, let's pray for him, that God gives him a miracle. Uh, he is, he's done with chemo, and I don't know if he has many other options after this. So, uh, he is in the Lord our God's hands. And in my opinion, that is the absolute best place to be. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Yes, sir. I'm sorry? Okay. Amen. Amen. Would you feel comfortable coming up, Sister Vicky? If some of our ladies would be so kind as to gather around. Amen. Is there anyone else here today that needs a healing touch? All right. Amen. Let's pray for these. 
Lord Jesus, you have given us covenant promises in your word concerning healing. We heard some of them promises today in the first service. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name that you would continue to demonstrate your faithfulness to us. Not that we've earned any good thing of you, not that we by ourselves deserve any good thing from you, but Lord, it is your good pleasure. It is your good pleasure to give good gifts to your children. You've given us these covenant promises. I would never have asked for anything else except you promised us. So I'm claiming this promise now, this promise of healing, divine healing. I curse sickness and disease and infirmity right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I take authority over these things in Jesus' name. And I command healing to take place within these bodies, within Sister Vicky, within Kelly, within Nate Van Ingen. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name for anyone else here within the sound of my voice that needs a healing touch. I pray right now in the name of Jesus that the, the disease, the sickness, the infirmity would be destroyed by the power of Almighty God and by the blood of Jesus Christ. I command healing to take place in the name of Jesus Christ. And Lord God, we worship You. We praise You because it is by Your stripes that we're healed. Himself took our sicknesses and bare our infirmities so that we wouldn't have to. Hallelujah, Jesus. We're claiming this right now. We're standing upon the covenant promises of God. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus, for your faithfulness. Thank you, Jesus, for divine healing. Thank you, Jesus, that you took stripes on your back that we might receive this today. That we might receive it of you. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. And we worship and we praise you. We give glory and we give honor unto you. Thank you, Jesus, for healing us. Thank you, Jesus, for saving us. Hallelujah, Lord God of hosts. You have all power. You have all authority. There is nothing that is too hard for you. There is nothing impossible for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your faithfulness to us today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Can we worship God, church? Can we thank Him? for what He has done already here today. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. I give glory and honor unto You, the Most High God. We worship and we praise You. We lift up the mighty name of Jesus in this place today. Because that You are worthy. Only You are worthy to receive all worship, to receive all praise. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. You are our Savior. You are our healer. You are our provider. You are all things to us. And you give all things that we need. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. He is a good and a faithful God unto us. Amen. Praise God. You can find your way back to your seats. Thank you so very much. I appreciate uh, how the Lord used Brother DeMuth this morning. We know that whoever gets up here is here under the unction of the Holy Ghost. At least we pray that's the case. Uh, we know that it's no man that, that does these things. But I always say that 
it still takes a man or a woman to say yes to God and submit themselves to be used of God in such and such and so-and-so capacity. Brother Demuth did that this morning, and I appreciate that. I thank God for the things that were said. It was spot on, and I am so thankful. I'm looking forward to the continuation of that study. Amen. James chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. Uh, it's kind of a lengthy reading. If you can't stand for it, I understand. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> but if you can, uh, we'll stay standing for the reading of the Word. James chapter 2, verses 14 through 26 says this, What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and hath not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto him, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? <clears throat> Was not Abraham our father justified by works, when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? And the Scripture was fulfilled which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Ye see then how that by works a man is justified, and not by faith only. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works, when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also." We'll speak for the remainder of our time this morning on this topic, faith and works. Faith and works. And if we could pray one more time and ask the Lord to bless the remainder of His service, that His perfect will would be accomplished here today. Lord Jesus, You're an awesome God. You're a mighty King. Thank You for Your faithfulness and for all that You've done for us thus far. The manifestation, the ministration of Your Spirit in this place has overwhelmed us. Hallelujah, Jesus. I pray that you would continue to manifest yourself according to your perfect will and according to our desperate need here today. And let your name be glorified in our midst. These things we ask in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing and for responding to the presence of God this morning. You can be seated. Faith and works. We've all heard sermons on this topic before. Let's add one more to the pile. Faith and works. Here's a question that we're going to start off with. If we looked only at our actions, if we looked only at the decisions that we've made today, what would that say about our faith? Someone on the outside looking in, if all they could see was your decisions and your actions, they couldn't hear your words, what would they say about us? About you, about me? What testimony would we have based on these things? 
Genesis 22 details an event that took place between Abraham and Yahweh, God. In Genesis 22 is the account of Abraham receiving an edict from the Lord that he is to sacrifice his son, his only son Isaac, upon the mount to God. We read that he responded quickly. He arose early in the morning and took care of business. Not that he wanted to, not that he was happy about it, but he did it because he was obedient to the voice of the Lord his God. I'm going to pick just a few verses from Genesis chapter 22 to convey the gist of it. Verses 1 and 2 says, It came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham, and said unto him, Abraham. And he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take thou thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. The account continues. He arose, he traveled there with his men. Verse 5 says, Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the donkey, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship, and come again to you. Interesting. Abraham knew why he was here. Abraham knew that God had told him to offer Isaac as a burnt offering. That typically doesn't end well for the burnt offering. Typically, the burnt offering ends up dying and getting burnt. That's how this thing usually works. And yet, Abraham told his young men, I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. He was expecting Isaac to come back from this. Why is that? Why was Abraham expecting Isaac to come back? Genesis 22 and 8 says, Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. How was Abraham able to respond this way? Maybe he misunderstood the commandment of God. Maybe he didn't quite hear it properly. That's why he was able to respond so quickly. The command was to kill his son. Now, please understand. I mean, that's bad enough. But in this day and age, that was his heir. He had already complained to God about Eliezer. This Eliezer is all I have. I don't have a son to pass everything down to. God said, he's not going to be your heir. Someone that comes out of your own loins, he'll be your heir. God promised him very specifically that the promise would come through this individual, Isaac, his son. And that is why Abraham was able to respond as he did. Because he believed God. He didn't just say he believed God. He did more than that, didn't he? He acted on his belief. His Actions, his decisions demonstrated a faith in his God. He didn't just sit back in his tent and say, Okay, sounds good. When I get to it, when I have another son that, that you can fulfill the promise through. He didn't do any of that. He understood the command. And he did it because he believed the promise of God. 
Hebrews 11, verses 17 through 19 says this, By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. Abraham had faith in two things. God's promise and God's character. He believed in God's character. That if he said something, that's what, that's what the reality was. That's what was going to take place. That's what's going to happen. It's going to go exactly like he said it would. Abraham believed God's promise so much that he was going to kill Isaac, knowing full well that the promise was still going to come through him. God was going to raise him up. God was going to do something to make this work out. But at the end, Isaac is going to come out of this unscathed because it's got to come through him. That's the promise. Abraham didn't simply state with certainty that God would come through. He didn't swear on a stack of Bibles that he believed God's promise. He obeyed the commandment of God based on his faith in the promise of God. In other words, his faith manifested itself with action, with obedience to the command of God. If we look at the first Passover in Egypt, we know that God commanded the nation of Israel. Actually, He commanded anyone that would have faith in this. If you believe this is going to happen, here's what you need to do to prevent it. Slay a lamb. Sprinkle the blood on the doorpost and on the lintel. Follow what I'm telling you to do. And if you do, the death angel will pass by. If you don't do this, he's going to visit you. Their faith in God's Word concerning judgment needed to be demonstrated. It wasn't going to be enough to say, yeah, I know this is going to happen. I believe you, God. I believe what you're saying is true. It wasn't enough. You needed to take it a step farther. You needed to go kill a lamb. You needed to sprinkle some blood on the doorpost. You needed to do what God told you to do. Because if you believe this is going to happen, if you believe God's Word, you're going to act on it. Period. You're going to act on it. What does it mean to have faith in Jesus? What does it mean to believe in Jesus? We hear this all the time. Are you a believer? Are you a believer? I believe in Jesus. My faith is in God. That sounds good. And it could be that that's actually biblical, scriptural, but maybe not. We all have weird ideas about what belief means and what faith means in our society today. Do I believe in Jesus? Could mean I believe that there was a historical figure named Jesus who was crucified on a cross by the Romans. 
It could mean that. It could mean, yeah, I believe, I believe God manifested Himself and, and died for my sins. Is that enough? Why not? I said I believe. I'll swear on a stack of Bibles that I believe. God knows if I'm lying or not. I mean, how does, how does that play out? I believe in Jesus. I have faith in Jesus. What, how, what does that mean exactly? <laughs> is, it, is that how people know I'm a Christian? Is because I say so? Because I have a bumper sticker on my car now? Honk if you love Jesus. When I first got into church, I put bumper stickers on my car. That's why I like making fun of this. <clears throat> Here's what, here was one of my favorites. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. That's a good saying. But, but what does it mean to believe it? God did say it. I should believe it. That should settle it. But how does that manifest itself? I mean, how does that play out in my life? If we, if we look at the Scripture text, James is trying to tell us something here. Now, if you start examining James chapter 2, it won't take you too long to find some commentary, some guy talking about it, that says something to the effect of, there's a huge debate here between James and Paul. Because Paul says, we're saved by faith and not of works, lest any man should boast. And here we got James saying, well, we need works. Faith alone isn't enough. Are they contradicting themselves? Absolutely not. Absolutely they're not. They're addressing two sides of an issue here. If we look at verse 14 in James chapter 2, He's asking this question, can a faith that is not being demonstrated by my actions and my decisions really lead me to salvation? Can that kind of faith save me? The obvious answer here is no, it cannot. Faith alone isn't enough for salvation. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ isn't enough. Believe what? What am I supposed to believe? How is that supposed to play out in my life? It's not enough for me to be saved. Verses 15 and 16. The brothers and sisters be naked, destitute of daily food. One of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled. Notwithstanding, ye give them not those things which are needful to the body. What doth it profit? This is exactly what we expect Jesus to do to us, isn't it? When we pray, we're not sure if He's going to deliver. Sometimes we pray expecting Jesus to just, just have faith, my son. Sometimes we come to the Lord expecting this kind of answer from Him. Be ye warm and filled. It's going to work out in the end. 
God bless you, my son. God bless you, my daughter. And yet God commands us, take care of the need. Take care of it right now. Why would He tell us to do that? And then we're coming to the Lord expecting that it's just not going to happen. Isn't it rather the will of God to answer our request? Isn't that the promise of God? That when we ask, we should expect to receive? But we don't expect to receive. We expect either it's going to take forever, and we even make jokes about it, about God's timing. Yeah, I mean, that there is an aspect that is true to that. We want everything right now, and sometimes, for whatever reason, we don't get an answer right now. But when the need is immediate, folks, we can expect an immediate answer. If God expects us to take action when people ask of us, don't you think God is going to take all the more action in our behalf when we ask of Him? God is not... He doesn't lead from the rear, folks. He examples everything He tells us to do. When He says, take up our cross and follow Him, He already did that. When He says, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, He already did that. He leads from the front. He's going to answer our requests when we ask of Him. He's going to answer just as soon as possible. Don't come to the Lord praying to God expecting that He's going to just ignore it or say no or whatever it is. I did my duty. I asked him. It didn't work. So now I got to take care of it. Getting a little bit ahead of myself, but why don't you think that the church in the United States sees the signs and wonders and miracles that they see in third world countries? The short answer is because we don't need God. We don't need Him. They do. They need God. And you know what? They get God. Verse 25, after talking about Abraham, we've already spent a little bit of time on Abraham. Verse 25 starts talking about someone on the outside. Rahab. Poor Rahab, she didn't have a covenant with God. She wasn't born into the, the Hebrew nation. In fact, poor Rahab, she was born, she was part of a people group under the curse of God, under the judgment of God. God sent His children there to wipe them out. Didn't He? That includes Rahab. But let's check this out. Rahab professed a faith in their God. Joshua chapter 2, 9-11 through says this, 
She said unto the men, I know. I know that the Lord hath given you the land, and that your terror is fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when he came out of Egypt, when ye came out of Egypt, and what ye did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and in the earth beneath. What a profession of faith for a heathen lady to make. A prostitute. Someone under the judgment of God makes this kind of statement of faith. But she didn't just talk. She didn't just say these words. She acted on it. She hid the Hebrew spies. She lied to her own countrymen about their whereabouts. And she helped them to escape. She acted on those words. Rahab was justified by faith. A faith that took action. Hebrews 11 and 31 says, By faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. How do we know she believed? By her actions, right? She knew what was coming. She knew God's judgment was right at the door. Literally. Right at the doorstep. She ends up becoming the mother of Boaz, who married Ruth and had Obed, who was the father of Jesse, who was the father of David the king. She became part of the ancestral line of Jesus Christ Himself, the Messiah, because of her obedient faith. A statement of faith that she acted on. What if instead of helping the Hebrew spies escape, she made that bold statement of faith and then turned them over to her countrymen when they came asking? What would have happened? What would have happened? Oh, I I know God's going to judge this place. Now that I know, I can escape. I can get out of here before before the people of Israel come and, and wipe everything out. I'll be good. I'll be safe. I believe that God's coming. I believe His judgment is coming. But now I can make good my escape. What if, what if we'd have responded like that? What if God doesn't actually conquer the city? Maybe it's not God's will to conquer every city. Later on, we see that He kind of stalled out at Ai, right? We know why that happened sin in the camp. But from the outside observer, I mean, the nation of Israel went against it and they got beat back. Maybe that will happen here. I mean, that happened after this, but what if God doesn't actually come through? I need a backup plan. If I pray to God and it doesn't work, i got to figure something else out. Isn't that how we think sometimes? 
what is our, where is our faith really at? This is a hard question to answer. We're demonstrating faith there, aren't we? But not in God. We're demonstrating faith in maybe ourselves more than God. Demonstrating faith in someone else more than God. What if God doesn't answer my prayer for a miracle? Well, then I need to take care of it myself. Or I need to ask someone else for help. Why do people do some of the things that they do? There are some people, maybe, maybe you're one of them. There are some people that will not step foot into an airplane. They won't do it. Not for any price. Why? Well, yeah, they're convinced that once they get on, that one's going to fall out of the sky and crash and burn. That's why they don't get on. Their faith is manifesting in a decision, isn't it? An action. A negative action, but an action nonetheless. I know that plane is going to crash and burn, therefore I'm not getting on it. Not for any reason. Why will some people avoid walking under ladders? There are people that are, they do that. I worked construction for a while. Some of you guys did. I know how to use a ladder. I have no problem walking under a ladder. I think one time someone did drop something on me. But, I mean, I've had stuff fall on my head not under a ladder. I still walk into buildings. Bad things happen when I go into a building. I mean... People are convinced that they're going to be cursed when they walk under a ladder, so they don't. Why do people carry lucky charms with them? So good things happen. I know that if I carry this rabbit's foot, I know that if I carry this, this $2 bill or this, this dollar gold piece that great-grandfather gave me, good things are going to happen. And they make the decision every morning to put that in their pocket. Because of their belief. Because of their faith. I don't believe that. I don't have a lucky foot, rabbit's foot in my pocket. If I did believe it, I probably would. Now from this point forward, I'm going to say some things that are going to be controversial. And before I say them, I want to say a couple things. One, if you disagree with me, I get it. Please, let's talk about it. And I'm serious about that. I'm not, I'm not ready yet to die on this hill. So let's talk about it. But I think God is, is leading me in a direction here. And I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty close to, to making up my mind on this. <clears throat> the other thing I want to say is, because I'm going to be talking about healing specifically... I've never really been sick. I have been sick. I've had the flu. I've had COVID. I've had a busted rib. Uh, so, I, you know, a few things. Painful. 
not very comfortable, but I've never been sick unto death. I've never been in danger of dying. I've never been hospitalized for something like that. So keep that in mind as well. Okay? I've never been put in that spot, is what I'm trying to say. So keep that in mind. My good friend, uh, some of your family members, they have been put in that spot. A few are there presently. So with that in mind, here we go. When I pray to God for a healing, and then I go to the doctor, what kind of faith am I demonstrating? I'm asking questions here. I'm not making dogmatic statements. What would it look like if my faith really was in Jesus Christ to heal me? How would that manifest itself? What would that look like? I'm asking a question. Again, everything that's, that I have suffered in my life, which hasn't been a whole lot physically yet, I don't need God for any of that. God's given me a fairly high pain tolerance. I can work through the busted rib. Now when it comes to sickness, I got zero tolerance for sickness. I get man colds all day long. <laughs> uh, I need Jesus for that. <laughs> I can't do sick. I can do, I can do pain. I can do injury. I can do that. I can't do sick. <clears throat> but I what if God were all I had for most of the world that's how it works that's how it is now again please understand I'm thankful for doctors I'm thankful for the knowledge they have nothing wrong with studying and learning about God's creation in the human body, and learning how to repair it. Nothing wrong with that. I think it's become quite a bit more than that. It's a business at this point. A for-profit business. They're not interested, I don't think, anymore in healing other than getting people on medication for the rest of their life. I have no proof. That's just a feeling. That's an opinion. I could be wrong. Third world countries need Jesus and they get Jesus. They need healing and they get healing. We don't. So we don't. Another thing we're good at is putting a situation in God's hands and then jumping right back into the middle of it and help God out trying to fix it. Yeah, absolutely. Because poor God, I mean... Yeah, I mean, and I'm not very important. I'm way down on the list here. And God's got Brother Bernard's prayers to answer and all of those things, you know, <clears throat> as if that's how it worked. 
We put a situation in God's hands and we take it back and start working on it ourselves. What is that demonstrating? What kind of faith is that demonstrating? I'll answer that question conclusively. That we don't trust God. We trust ourselves more. And there are many situations that I can think of in my own life, maybe with a few minutes' time you could as well, where I've done this. I cried and I wept and I moaned and God, save, save me in this situation. God, take care of this situation. And I leave it at the altar. <clears throat> but then, it pops its head up again. I get reminded of it. That's all it takes. I start working on it again. I start trying to fix it again. Sometimes I don't even know what I'm doing. I, what in the world am I doing? I gave this to God. Why am I doing this? But we do that because our faith isn't in God. We say it is. We want it to be. We desperately want it to be. But it's not. How do I know? Because of my actions. My faith is not in the Lord my God. It's in me. It's in people. It's in institutions. It's in anything and everything else. But I don't trust God because I keep taking it out of His hand. Why is that? Why can't I trust Him? Why can't we just take Him in His Word? When He gives us a promise, why can't we just take Him in His Word? Why do we keep doubting Him? As Christians, we need to start putting our money where our mouth is. We've heard that expression. The expression comes from the idea that talk is cheap. We start putting money and we got some skin in the game. Talk is cheap, folks. We can talk, we can talk all day long. I can share opinions till, till Jesus comes. I can tell you how good God is and, and how much I trust in the Lord. I can do that all day long. It's fun. It's good. I feel the presence of God when I talk about that stuff. But then when a situation comes up, how am I going to act? Am I going to make good on that? Or am I going to cave under pressure? God's promises are very specific. And they're very open-ended. Matthew 17.20 says, Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. They're asking, why can't we cast the devils out? Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove. And nothing shall be impossible unto you. I prefer how Mark puts it in chapter 11, verses 22 through 24. In the Gospel of Mark, it says, Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God. In God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. That's a pretty blank check right there. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire, <clears throat> excuse me, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them and ye shall have them. 
Now, does that mean I can pray for a million bucks? No. When I pray to advance the kingdom of God, when I pray in Jesus' name, in His stead, when I pray in His place, as the body of Christ, as the son and the daughter of Almighty God, when I pray that way, according to the will of God, I must expect an answer. I can't expect anything else. If God is lying to us with these promises, or maybe He's demonstrated Himself to be unreliable in the past, then we would have good reason to hesitate to trust Him. Or worse, folks, let's be honest. If He's lying at any point, we're wasting our time here. He's not God. But if the Bible is accurate in everything it reveals to us about God, then we must trust Him completely. We have no choice. If we're going to be intellectually honest with ourselves, we can't say one thing and do another. Yeah, I believe God, and then live our own life. It doesn't work like that. No, you don't believe God. You're lying to yourself. How do I know? Because you're judgmental. No, because I'm watching how you act. I'm watching the decisions you make. I'm a fruit inspector. Brother Lee Stone King talks about that. We don't stand in judgment over people, but we do inspect their fruit. A good tree produces good fruit. How do I know it's a good tree? I pick the fruit and eat it. If it's nice and fresh and sweet, it's a good tree. <clears throat> if I say I believe God, if I say I trust in God, if I say that the promises of God are yea and amen, then I'd better start acting like it. Me, I'd better start acting like it. Otherwise, I don't really trust in Him, do I? It doesn't matter what I say doesn't matter how vehemently I profess my faith. If I don't act it, I'm not trusting in God. We have every reason to put our complete trust and confidence in Jesus Christ this morning. He will come through for us. He will always be there for us. He will always cause us to have the victory. If we have a faith in Him that is demonstrated by our actions and by our decisions. When He comes back, will He find faith on the earth? I pray He does. I pray He does in me. In you. Not just an intellectual nod of the head to the fact that Jesus is a historical figure. It's going to take a little more than that. I believe the fire alarm when it rings, I'm going to exit the building. If I stay here, what does that tell people? That guy doesn't believe there's a fire in the building. Because they know that if I did believe that, I'd be leaving. I'd be doing something with that information. When we read the Word of God, when God reveals truth to us, and you'll know it when it happens. There's a difference. There's a difference between reading a book 
and learning information and reading the Word of God and praying and fasting and God revealing truth to you. There's a huge difference and you'll know it when it happens. It's, it's so powerful. and It's so... It's like coming out of darkness. But when it happens, we become responsible for that. We have to do something with that. We have to be apt to teach it. But we also have to live it. Brother DeMuth talked about this. We've got to live this in front of people. We can't just talk. Definitely talk. But your actions better be lining up with everything you say. Because if not, people know. People can smell hypocrisy a mile away. So can you. You know when someone's real and, and when someone's faking it. And so do they. And so does God. We cannot be hypocrites. Not just because of our current culture and climate. Not just because of what it will do to the name of Jesus Christ. But we can't, we can't be intellectually dishonest with the truth that God has revealed to us. If we say we believe it, then let's act like it. Let's act like it. Let's all stand. Our actions matter. Our choices, our decisions, they matter. They need to be based on our faith in the Word of God. Our confidence in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. If we say, if we profess faith in Jesus, but we act faith in ourselves or in anyone or anything else, then that's where our faith is really at. It's kind of like if I'm judging Scripture, well, yeah, God doesn't seem very moral here. Why did He do this? Why didn't He do that instead? I don't think that this is really what this is saying. If I'm doing that, this isn't my source of truth. Something else is. And I'm filtering the Word of God through that source of truth, whatever it is. If I profess faith with my mouth and doubt with my actions, folks, you don't have faith. I'm sorry. You don't have faith. Not until you're acting on it. Faith without works is dead. It's useless. It's pointless. They go hand in hand. They go hand in hand. Let's come to the front for a little while this morning. All of us, we all want to see the Lord move. We all want to see His will manifest in our lives. We all, I believe with all of my heart, I want to believe in Jesus Christ. I want to have faith in God. But sometimes i got to pray like the, like the man did, helped all my unbelief. I'm still in this flesh. I'm still human. I'm still wrapped up in this stupid world system that bombards me constantly with doubt. It seeks at every opportunity to contradict everything that's found in the Word of God. If you read the news, if you, if you watch the news for five minutes, I promise your blood pressure is going to peak. 
you're going to start to stress and worry. Now, I'm not saying... I'm suggesting that you cut yourself off from the news. I don't think there's any good thing there. We should be kept abreast of what's going on. I believe that. Helps me to focus my prayers. I know what to pray for. But I'm not going to ingest that junk any more than I absolutely have to. I don't care what side of the fence you're on. I mean, I used to watch Fox News for a while and, you know, different conservative outlets, but that's the same thing. I get stressed out listening to that. Those guys, too. I cut my social media years ago because all I got was mad. (laughs) Every time I'd open that stupid Facebook, I'd get mad. Uh, You can do what you want with it. Work out your own salvation, but uh, I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I don't like to be mad. I'm a happy guy. I like being happy. That's what I like to do. (laughs) I like doing that. Now, Jesus isn't necessarily concerned about our happiness, but we can't have joy in the midst of whatever it is we're going through. But that joy is based in, in this. It's based in the Word of God. It's based in a relationship with God. It's not based in what knowledge I have or don't have of what's going on in the world. It has nothing to do with that. It has nothing to do with my circumstances. It has nothing to do with my health. It has everything to do with with Scripture and the Word of God. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. And the promises of God come because I have a covenant relationship with Him. He has bound Himself legally to do these things. I I didn't make Him sign this. I didn't write this covenant up. God did. God wrote all of these promises in here. I didn't suggest them. I didn't I didn't say, well, I'll sign if you add this, this, this. Maybe a, a bill of rights here. He wrote all of that in himself. All of those promises are here for us. He's bound himself to do that. Don't you think he's going to take care of it? Don't you think he's going to honor his covenant relationship with us? He expects us to honor our covenant relationship with him. And we're not perfect. He is. He does not. He does not break covenant. Not ever. Not for any reason. We do. We walk away. We break covenant. But he doesn't. Not ever. If we're in covenant relationship with Him, then He is in covenant relationship with us. And He is legally bound. I can say it that way. Please understand, I'm not being disrespectful to God. But He has bound Himself legally to honor His covenant with us. He's going to do that. He's going to do that. We can trust Him. We can place our confidence and our faith and our hope in Him. And our actions can demonstrate that. Our choices can demonstrate that. And when they do, when my actions consistently demonstrate faith in God, what do you think that's going to do for God? What did Jesus do when He went 
to the tomb of Lazarus. And everyone was saying, oh, if you'd have come earlier, you could have taken care of this. Yeah, he's going he's gonna to be raised again at the last day. Jesus wept because they couldn't believe anything for him for today, for now. God wanted them to believe in him now. Right now, today, we can put our faith in Jesus Christ. And God will respond. God will take care of those things for us according to the covenant promises that He's given us in His Word. Whatever you ask in His name, not doubting, not wavering, but believing that those things that you say will come to pass, you'll have whatever you say. What an awesome promise that is. Let's avail ourselves of that. From this point forward, let's avail ourselves of that. And let's see what God will do in our midst. Not just in your life, but through you and the lives of those around you. God wants to do so much in our lives. He wants to do so much through you. Through you, individually. Let's pray this morning, this afternoon, and let's ask God to help us. If we struggle in these areas, and I think all of us do in one, one way or another, then let's ask God to help our unbelief. Let's get to a place in God where we can trust Him implicitly. We can trust Him absolutely with everything that we're going through, with every circumstance, every situation. That we can leave it in His hands until He takes care of it. Now some of the things I said, some of the things I talked about, pray about those. Pray about them. See where the Lord leads you in those areas. Okay? I'm going to do the same. Amen. Let's pray. Let's call out to the Lord our God. Lord Jesus, You're an awesome God. You're an awesome God. And one thing I know absolutely for sure is that You are a covenant-keeping God. And that those promises that You gave us, they're there for a reason. We didn't ask You to put them in. You put them in Yourself. You put them in for our benefit. Not to hold a carrot in front of us and then let us fall on our face. You gave those to us because You want to come through. You want to demonstrate Your faithfulness. You desire to demonstrate uh, Your awesome power and Your authority, Your goodness to Your children. You gave us salvation, God. It's more than I ever could have hoped for. And You gave me all of these promises. And I struggle with them and I stumble over them. And I have a hard time sometimes really grasping the the enormity, the finality of these promises. But help me, O oh God, to trust in You no matter what. Help me, Lord Jesus, to understand that when You say, You chose these words out carefully, 
Every word that you speak is spoken for a reason. Everything in your word is there for a reason. Help us to stand upon all of it. Help us to trust in all of it. Thou Most High God, because we trust in You. We trust in Your character. We trust in Your faithfulness. And Your great undying love for us. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. I pray that you would speak to us this, this afternoon, that you would speak to us, Lord Jesus, that you would continue to lead us and guide us in this area. Help us, Lord, to understand the way that you would have us go. Help us to understand as individuals and as a church how you desire your, our faith in you to manifest itself. In Jesus' name I pray. We have got to start manifesting our faith, demonstrating our faith with our actions. We've got to put our money where our mouth is, Lord Jesus. I have got to put my money where my mouth is. If I say you can do something, then I better expect that you're going to do it. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. You're a miracle-working God. You said that you would confirm your word through us with signs following. I'm not focusing on signs and wonders, Lord, but they're there for a reason. Your reason. Your purpose. And I pray, God, that everything you desire to manifest would be manifest in this body. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name that you would confirm your word, that you would work with us and confirm your word with signs following. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. That you would speak, that you would move. That as we act on what we believe, you would demonstrate, you would move, you would heal, you would save, you would restore, you would deliver, you would provide. Hallelujah, Jesus, according to the need. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for ministering through us. Thank you, Jesus, that we can trust you. Thank you, Jesus, for faith. Give us more faith, I pray. Faith that would demonstrate itself. Faith that would take action. Hallelujah, Jesus. When we pray, we're going to expect an answer. When we pray, we're going to hold on. We're going to hold out until you move. When we pray, Lord Jesus, we're going to believe in you. We're going to trust in you. Until you answer. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. I worship you, O God. I worship you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your patience, your long-suffering patience with us. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. 
speak with your people today, I pray. Lead us and guide us into all truth. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. As the end approaches, I don't know if it's going to be tomorrow or 100 years from now. I think it's coming soon. All the signs point to that. I certainly want to be ready. He comes back today. We'll plan as if he's not coming back in our lifetime. But as the end approaches, now more than ever, there's a work that God wants accomplished. And where sin doth abound, grace doth much more abound. Sin is most certainly abounding in our society today. It's abounding. We have an awesome opportunity to demonstrate Jesus Christ, to demonstrate Him to this world, His love, His compassion, His mercy, His grace, His power, and His authority in this world. Also, as the end approaches, there is going to be a falling away. The people of God will be deceived somehow. I don't know how. But those that are left, those that remain, I mean, it's, it's going to be a purging of some kind. But those that, are re, those that do remain are going to be rock solid. going to be rock solid. We can all be rock solid. Deception comes because we don't know the Word of God. If we know the Word of God and we do it, we cannot be deceived. We can choose deception. We can delude ourselves. People do that. caught unawares. Hide the Word of God in your hearts. Draw close to Jesus Christ. Act on your faith. Act on what you read, what God reveals to you. Act on it. Become responsible for it. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. No matter what you see, no matter what you hear, no matter what you feel or experience, Put your faith in the Word of God. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. You will not fall away. You will stand strong. You will be a rock, not only for you you and your family, but for those around you. And God will work through you. He will work through you. Amen. Let's pray in closing. Lord Jesus, you're an awesome God. I am so thankful for you for your so great salvation. Thank you, Lord, for the ministration of your presence and your spirit here today. I pray, O oh God, that you would bless your people, that you would continue to draw them nigh unto you, cause them to become more like you each and every day. Speak comfortably unto them. Encourage them in the Lord their God today. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Bring us back to your house at the day appointed. Glorify your name in us and through us this week. And these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. God bless you. Thank you so very much for your kind attention. Tuesday prayer, uh, Wednesday service. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Yes.